welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I've lived with type 1 diabetes for almost four decades and enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. Today's guest, Noah, blew the doors off a recent Kickstarter campaign for a film that just began production. His experience with live theater and as a professional actor, I believe, gave him the upper hand on creating, or what he is creating, a solid short film. I look forward to seeing what he and his dedicated team create. Stay tuned. But before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just click the donate link in the show notes. Number two, my affiliate and resources page feature reputable brands and services that make life with diabetes a more pleasant one. You can find all the deals at diabetesdailygrind.com. Number three, I recently launched The Diabetes Way with my dear friend, David Cliff, a website dedicated to people living with and touched by this disease. You should totally check it out at thediabetesway.com. And finally, stay engaged, love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. You know, I kind of say this every single time, but just as a friendly reminder, don't forget to sign up for the e-newsletter, leave an iTunes review. You know, I love the iTunes reviews. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. All right, let's get started. Welcome, Noah, to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I'm going to let you say your full name just so that I don't mess it up later. Mm, well, my full name is even longer than you know. So I'll say my my casual name, which is just Noah Aberback Katz. But I've got a couple extra middle names in there, which I'll leave for the secret uh, members only podcast. I like that. I like that. So I want to say that I connected with Noah because I came across... Well, okay. I'm going to start with how we connected and then I'll let him talk about his diagnosis story. But we connected. I saw that you were doing like a crowdsource or you're fundraising for a project, a film that you were doing. So we're going to jump into that here in a second, but tell me because all of us have been diagnosed with the same disease, but our management and our diagnosis stories are very different. So please uh, share a little bit about your diagnosis. My diagnosis, I feel like was pretty standard in terms of like the symptoms, which we all had. And then there wasn't like a big dramatic event. I mean, it felt really dramatic. My mom likes to think it's dramatic, but (laughs) hearing other people's actual drama, it was like, okay, this is pretty regular. So when I was uh, in eighth grade, you know, just started to lose a ton of weight and go to the bathroom all the time, all those good things. And then the summer between my, between eighth grade and freshman year of high school, I got the official diagnosis. We canceled our trip to London, a family trip to London, instead went to a diabetes summer camp, which I loathed every second of. I was so resentful to have to spend my summer at this camp. And I was so resentful that I decided, you know what, I got to take, I got to do as much of this management as I can. So very early, I was like, I got, I got to be self-sufficient on this thing or they're bringing me back to camp. So of course, now I understand that people love the camp and camp is good. I'm not talking about camp. It was just, you know, Trying to get a 13-year-old to like anything is challenging. So, Well, and let me ask you in that situation, because I have two siblings, an older and a younger sister, mm-hmm. were your siblings pissed that- I'm an only child. So oh, that's, was, okay. I got to be angry all for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yay and nay. So when you were yeah. first diagnosed, talk to me about what diabetes, what insulin management they put you on. So I was diagnosed in 2003. And so things back are pretty then, advanced. I mean- Well, yes and no, right? So they're definitely more advanced than the early 90s and stuff. 
and talking about that. But when I was diagnosed, this was well before people would be put on any sort of pump out of the gate. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't even in the question. When I was diagnosed, people were still using NPH. So I use NPH for the first, basically until I got on a pump. So probably three years of NPH. I didn't have insulin pens. So I was just using the needle and vial everywhere I went. Cloudy um, and clear. We're using regular as exactly, well. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So it was like, then it felt like, all right, I'm, I'm up to speed, but looking back on it now, it really does feel like the stone age, you know, it's just so different. That's what I was with for, I can't remember how many years, a couple of years. And then I switched to pump and was on a pump from probably, you know, like 2005-ish to 2011-ish. And then in 2011, I started using insulin pens and then a couple of years- so you went from syringes to insulin pump. What pump did you, were you started with? I think it was on the Medtronic and okay. just stayed on Medtronic. But honestly, that could just be something that weaseled its way into my head and I don't actually remember. Yeah. So I think that, you know, back then there wasn't as many options, you know, for pumps. So I feel like Medtronic, there maybe was like one other, but that was like the main option, um, which is obviously not the case anymore. But then I got, I didn't really like being on a pump anymore. Right. And I, I switched to insulin pen. And then a couple of years ago, I started, I had very, very briefly for like a, like a couple of months used the Dexcom G5, which I didn't like. And then I started up on the G6, which I really do. Are you on an insulin pump right now or not? No. No. Okay. And that's a whole other podcast because there's so many new, weird, new options and I'm MDI therapy. I know. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because whenever I think, you know, people are like, are you going to get back on the pump? I, I my head I just feel so old when I do this because I'm like, my head is like, it's stuck in 2005. I'm like, why would I use a pump from 2005? They're like, no, nobody, it's, what are you talking about? So like, different. Yeah, you know, it's just totally different. Omnipods, like people love them. People hated them when I was using yeah. people loathed Omnipods, but now they're incredibly popular. You know, Tamdom wasn't even a thing. So I, I'm, I'm really behind and it's passing me by and I don't feel great about it. Well, I think it's one of those things for me too, um, because people are, especially in the industry, since I talk about diabetes often, they're like, why are you not on an insulin pump? And I'm like, Mm. if my A1C is good and I'm comfortable with my management, why would I change? But I like you, I look at kids who... And I don't like to use that as an example, but I'm like, damn it, if they can do it, why am I not jumping on board? (laughs) Well, I do think it actually is more well-suited for younger people because you're on the go more, you're in situations where you can't like step away in the same way. You're just like, you're just moving and you're doing stuff in a different way. But now it's like, I don't need to do things discreetly. I barely leave the house as it is. (laughs) And if I am like, I don't really feel the same sort of like, need to not step away from something to like handle whatever I'm doing. And, you know, I also, I mean, the older you get, the more that like bad days really are more difficult to recover from. And I just couldn't, it just became so challenging when I would have a kink tubing or something that was disconnected. And I would like lose a whole day just feeling really, really bad. And when I was growing up, it wasn't as big of a deal, but now it would just like, oh man, I just lost a full day because this came out or this set wasn't quite right. And I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I get that. And I got to say too, because I'm a planner 
just the fact that my G6, my sensor was going to to end at like 5.30 a.m. Do I get mm-hmm. up now? Do I right. put it on in the middle of the night? Like right. things like that. So for if you are you listening to this and you don't have diabetes, just know that there's so <laughs> many factors that we take into play. Or if I want to change it and I want to go for a walk in an hour, yeah. well, then I'm flying blind and that I just don't feel comfortable anymore. So it's like yeah. all the things you juggle. So let's get into the project. Sure. And you guys raised what you were asking for in less than eight hours, which is insane. I've been in development my whole life as a nonprofit and doing Uh that is freaking amazing. (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. You know, we sort of set our, like our low, each sort of increase of dollar amount allows us to do more. So that was sort of like our, you know, we're going to get this movie made. It was $25,000. And we raised that goal in eight hours. We crossed the second, the first stretch goal, which I think was 42,000 in 24 hours and then broke 50,000 in like two days or whatever. So it's it's been amazing. It's been a really cool thing. The project itself is a short film called Type 1, which is something that I wrote. It's the story of a type 1 diabetic and his wife, who will be played by me and my wife, Mary Wiseman, who you might know from Star Trek Discovery and other stuff. And we are essentially leaving behind some sort of unspecified societal disaster going on a search for a cache of insulin before it's too late. And so that's sort of the whole thrust of this this short film and what the Kickstarter is all about. Well, and I think when, I, when we talk about like disaster scenarios and kind of what this film will be about, mm-hmm. I mean, I, in our initial conversation, talked about a guy that I was dating at the time who was ex-military. He was like, this will never happen to us. Mm-hmm. I would have a generator on the roof. I'd have all these things, but I, are you going to be addressing like the fears that we have going into it? Or is this going to be more like a shits and giggles? We got to get to this and it's uh, <laughs> just entertaining. It, there will be no shits or giggles. <laughs> uh, there might be one. I don't know if I wrote any jokes into it. No, I think it really is trying to hone in on this thing that both type one diabetics, but I think a lot of disabled folks, you know, not just type one diabetics have to grapple with, which is, you know, it's not just, and not just like an insane, you know, natural disaster or war or you know, shutdown, which of course are are real, real possibilities, but also, you know, something as innocuous as, I mean, not innocuous, but, but, but something that wouldn't affect the abled population in the same way, like the shutdown of a supply line or, you know, roads and, and infrastructure not being supported for a few weeks. And suddenly you are on your last pen of insulin or whatever the case may be. And I think that, was something that has come up a lot because I, I I think we talked about this, but sort of everybody in their family, a lot of families like to, you know, play the zombie game. Like, what are we going to do in a zombie apocalypse? And my wife's family loves to play this game. And, you know, my answer is always, well, I'm going to die. I'm dead. So right. I'll be the guy who's doing the thing at the doorway being like, go get out of here. I'll hold them off for two more seconds. You know, you can eat my body because I'm exactly be killed. Exactly. And people <laughs> hate that. They really, really hate that answer because that's not how the game works. We're all supposed to live. And you realize actually, oh, wow, like we're actually pretty fragile. We're actually not superheroes and it doesn't take much for us to suddenly be in a very, very bad situation where I think 
type one folks and disabled folks grapple with that every single day. And so I think this movie is hopefully going to do a lot of things, but I do think it's sort of touching that reality, which is that, like you were saying, it's like, that's so great that you have your generator and your helicopter and your, (laughs) you know, whatever, but like, I'm sorry, but if if things are going bad, I'm not I'm not going to make it. Or if I am going to make it, it's going to be very very challenging. And it's something that I think is both like hmm. from a sci-fi disaster film, you know, genre perspective interesting and uh, an important way to look at these things and also from a real world perspective, it's something that people who don't have access to insulin go through all the time even without a natural disaster. People are having to make these decisions all the time. How am I going to get my next dose of insulin? And so, you know, my hope with the film is to is to dramatize that a little bit. So people who don't have a hard grasp of that reality can maybe get a little bit closer to it. And then by the end of the film, sort of contextualize and be like, oh, this isn't this isn't like an imagined scenario. This is only a little bit heightened from the realities, especially in the United States. Wow. Okay. so when do you guys start filming? So the Kickstarter, I don't know when this will come out, but it's Monday the 14th. The Kickstarter will end in nine days from now. Uh, That will be March 21st. Our hope is to begin principal photography, whatever, start shooting it. Early May, around May 12th. Uh, so, So really quick turnaround. The director is... Anthony Rapp, who is an actor who people might know from Rent. He played Mark in the original production of Rent and uh, is also an actor on Star Trek Discovery. That's sort of one of the the linchpins of this whole thing. And, uh, you know, we want to get it out before people have to go back. Everybody shoots in Toronto. So we want to get it out before people have to start shooting in Toronto. So we're having a really quick turnaround and hopefully get it edited and post through post-production in time for festivals and then see what happens after that. Why did you guys choose Toronto just out of curiosity? Oh, we didn't choose Toronto. That's for shooting Star Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. uh, CBS chose Toronto. We're going to shoot. It looks like we, we did a, a bit of a location scout the other week, sort of preemptively. And it looks like we'll probably shoot in upstate New York where there's like sort of a lot of property because most of the film sort of takes outside. It takes place outside. It's sort of like a traveling film. And a lot of us are located in New York. So that's, that's where we'll be shooting. Makes it much easier. I was just going to offer up Oklahoma because we have a <laughs> vibrant film industry uh, group right now. So yeah, is is, is Matt Lillard out there? Is he an mm-hmm. Oklahoma guy? Yeah. yeah. What a great dude. Love that guy. Uh, I know he's got his whole like production company out there. That's really exciting. There's a lot of, ex- yeah, Oklahoma, oddly, we're geeking out nothing about diabetes, but the film industry <laughs> and the music industry is incredible. So. All right. Well, hopefully I'll be there in no time. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, yeah, and we'll hopefully see through the film festival circuit, the film. So from start to finish, how long do you think this will take? Well, I've never shot a film. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I've never shot a film either. So I don't know either. (laughs) You know, here's the thing is that I think a lot of like how it will be sort of displayed to the public will 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 sort of respond on how people respond to it at festivals. Somebody might want to do something with it, in which case yeah. we kind of keep it close to us. But if not, then it would be easier to share. I will say that, you know, one of the Kickstarter rewards is like a digital screener. So 
if you don't want to wait until, you know, probably sometime in 2023 to see it, you can definitely see it before then with that reward on the Kickstarter. Oh, that's a shameless plug, but a good one. I totally, (laughs) totally appreciate it. Well, since you've mentioned, okay, two questions. One, because your wife is obviously your partner in life, but also Mm -hmm. your partner in this project. Mm -hmm. Does she have access to your data? Uh, yeah, she she has my clarity stuff. You know, one of the reasons I actually, or it's not called clarity. What is it called? Follow, I think, on Dex. I, I think share. You know what I'm sharing. Share. You know, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> one of the reasons I got on the G6 was because when I would go high, I would just get so goddamn grumpy. You know, yeah. I was just such a grump. And I, did, I, I don't know, either I wasn't aware of it when I was younger or as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. that symptom has become more pronounced. And it was just, I was just so, I was sick of it. She was handling it amazingly well. She always does. But I was sick of being like, boy, I'm just like sitting here being grumpy and I'm so grumpy. I can't express how grumpy I am. Cause I'm also (laughs) just trying to, you know, on top of that, I'm trying to manage the diabetes, right? I don't really have the extra energy to like manage everything else. And so one of the main reasons I got this was so that she could look at her phone and, you know, see I'm 174 and be like, I'm not going in the bedroom until he comes down. So (laughs) it's, it's been a boon to our relationship. Okay. So what do you, here's another, because I feel lows. Do you still, are you still, do you still feel your low blood sugars? I do. Yes. Yes. That's great. I mean, weirdly it's one of those we're blessed in that. So where, what are your ranges? Like when you say hi at 174, when I, I start to feel symptoms and this is how my, my G6 is set between like, you know, one, like literally the, the change from 159 to 160, I'll feel it. And then from, I usually around 83 is on the low side when I'll start to feel it. Isn't that a trip that you can just hone it down to that one? I mean, it's, number. I, it, I think, Lots I think, practice. You know, being in the house with me, it's like going from like a, you know, great loving husband to just an absolute grump monster. So I, I really got it done with science when I need to lock myself in the bedroom too. I'm glad that you, you're aware of that. And so <laughs> now transitioning into your professional career, because mm-hmm. I love hearing about different lifestyles and, and career paths and how diabetes comes into that equation. So share a little bit more about what you do in your career. You know, it's really interesting. It's been a bit of a journey. You know, as an actor, well, I, I'm trying to think where to start. You know, I, I've done a lot of different things. I've tried a lot of different things, a lot of different approaches. As an actor, you're put in all these like sort of weird situations where you are not necessarily in control of like things you have to eat or how long you can go without testing or looking or injecting, right? Like I've done plenty of plays where I'm on stage for two hours at a time or something like that without having a break. Do you wear your Dexcom when you're on like- Well, live? for the Dexcom, I've never, I haven't really done any, anything that would requ- that would like get in the way of the Dexcom because I actually haven't been on it very long, but I did take off my, I don't know. It honestly depends. It depends because sometimes for some plays, like if I'm going to be on stage for, for two hours, I can't really have like a live mechanical device. Yeah. yeah. But if, but if I'm going like on and off stage for 30 seconds, I can like suspend for, I I actually don't even remember it was so long ago, but I could like, you know, unplug it for a second or leave it in my pocket or, you know, do all sorts of stuff. So it sort of depends on the production and it changes from production to production and, you know, show to show. 
You know, the last play I did, which was like right before the pandemic started. And when we say play, it's your it's live theater, like a live theater yeah. production, because because that's very different than TV. Right. For, so right. for like this live theater thing, I was on stage for like two hours, basically. And I this whole time, the whole time I like had like an insanely low carb, like not a sustainable diet, not an actual like diet diet approach, but just like, you know, just trying to like have extreme control over my numbers for like a very short duration of time. So it would be like, you know, having extremely low carb meals before I would go to the show. So I know exactly where my blood sugar would be and just like really honing it down in a non-sustainable way for like, you know, two hours and stuff like that. And on, on TV and film, it's not as important because, you know, the takes are at most a minute, you know, usually it's, it's 10 or 20 seconds, you know, it's usually not a long take. So the most you're going to have to deal with is a couple of minutes. You know, the only thing there was, uh, you know, when I was working on Star Trek, I was wearing a prosthetic mask. And I was extremely worried about like going high and having like extreme physical sensitivity because mm -hmm. this like mask is like glued to your face basically. And so I was, again, went like crazy, crazy low carb, totally unsustainable, you know, would never do it if I wasn't doing it for like this specific thing and for a specifically, you know, short duration of time. So you wanted to keep your face like the exact no, it wasn't so much the face. It wasn't, it wasn't about like that. It was more just like they glue a plastic max to your face. And I was really worried that if I was going high, it would just like sort of overstimulate my body because oh. this mask is extremely uncomfortable. And so I just wanted to like not have a meltdown basically. And the other thing when I, so when I was shooting the show, I was still using finger sticks, uh, using a kit and one of my castmates, I had like sort of seen him on set before and he wore these prosthetic gloves. There's almost like squid hands and you can't take them on and off. They like glue them to your hands. So once they're on for the day, they're on. And I was really nervous because I was like, well, if they put me in gloves, which I think they want to, then I'll have to have somebody test my blood sugar all the time and they'll have to use my forearm, which will be super challenging and also... Yeah kind of unhygienic and, and not really safe for somebody else to be like handling this like medical grade equipment. Yeah. And I asked my wife, who's of course on the show and she's like, well, just talk to costumes. Like they'll figure it out. And so I was like, look, like, here's the situation. What do you think we can do? And they were like, oh, we'll just like put you in black gloves the whole time. So my entire run on that show, I'm just wearing these black leather gloves in every single scene. There's a scene where I'm eating breakfast and I'm wearing gloves. And so there's like this Easter egg of why the hell this guy is wearing gloves. And like, he doesn't need gloves. You're inside. There's no reason for it. It's just so that I could have access to my hands. Well, I love that you're sharing that kind of stuff because Obviously, you even though diabetes is challenging, no matter what the day, but it didn't hasn't hindered your professional career. I hope not. I mean, it probably has. I think early on when I wasn't so aware how grumpy and antagonistic I got, I think I probably scared some people off with my with how how I wouldn't, you know, because you're you're like in these really intense not confrontational, but tense situations trying to make an artistic decision, and you know, I I I wish I had known earlier how much being high affected my moods because it would have yeah. made people like me more, but whatever. And maybe it was just my bad personality. That's, that's honestly. <laughs> maybe you're just a cranky person. Exactly. Yeah. So at least they got <laughs> the full me, the real me. Okay. So tell us, cause again, I really, the reason why you're here is because I like this story and I like what you're doing with the, with the film. What would be a takeaway that you hope people will get from this? 
Well, I think my hope is that different people will take away different things. My hope is that diabetics, people with diabetes will feel like this is a film for them. You know, I feel like, you know, I've thought a lot about both disability representation, especially in like disaster or, you know, adventure stuff, but also specifically diabetes stuff in movies. And I think so often you really, even, even if they handle it well, right. It's not really a critique. It just is the reality. So often it is like an abled creator handling it, handing it off to an abled audience. So there's just like a lot of explaining that needs to happen, which I think as a diabetic, you immediately sort of check out, right? You're like, why are you explaining this? You know, I, I, I know the, I know this stuff, you know, this isn't for me. This is for the people who don't know this stuff. Right. So I'm actually going to kind of like skip this. This isn't for me. And my hope is that you'll get the feeling that like, oh, this is for me. This is not being explained to an abled audience. This is being created for me and people who are not familiar with it or who have a lower threshold of familiarity will actually be encouraged to then lean in a little bit, you know, get a little bit more curious, want to learn more, and also feel like they're being let into an experience, you know, like they're being let into the community as opposed to being pandered to or taught something or handed something which they can sort of reject. And so that that's sort of my hope is that, you know, diabetics will see themselves and non-diabetics will feel, oh, you know what? I want to be a part of this, right? I want to learn more. I want to get involved. I know somebody who has this now that I never did before. Um, I got to, so that, that's well, so well said. And this is So I just created a new project called the diabetes way Mm -hmm. and co-founded by another person living with type one. And the focus is it's written by people living with the disease, but it's for people touched by that disease. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you're just saying. And and you know, a non-intrusive, you get to come into our world as you want to, to get this information and not be so clinical. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it's a better way to get people more involved and, you know, it, it requires a little bit more heavy lifting from people, you know, sure. but I think I, I genuinely think people are, are excited to do that. Right. People want to learn. They're curious. They want to be helpful. You know, I feel like so often people want to help, but they just don't know how and they wind up doing something that isn't helpful, which then alienates them. And so or pisses having, us off. I mean, exactly. Right. Exactly. I think we've all had the experience, you know, of like, can you eat that? Can you do this? Can you do that? (laughs) And, you know, I I ultimately think the majority of people who say that, not everybody, of course, but the majority just are really trying to be helpful and don't have the the understanding of how to be helpful. And so, you know, hopefully this or, or your project is sort of, it requires a little bit more work on the front end, but will ultimately let them in in a deeper and more meaningful way. Okay. I have a couple of last minute questions. So two things that I'm asking every single guest or try to over the past couple of years is one, do you feel like you received proper diabetes education upon diagnosis? And do you feel like you're continuing that level of education? Hmm. You know, I think I get really, really lucky with my especially comparing my story to other people, you know, I was my endocrinologist when you know, it was like a 
for for kids was at oh shit it was San Francisco UCSF in San Francisco right. and it's a really strong program a really like well supported and well thought out program so in terms of that I think it was really good obviously there were things that maybe I would have done differently or would have explained differently or offered different treatment offerings but it was 2003 so it was and it, you know it was it was probably as good as I was going to get in 2003 so you know in that sense i think it was good and i think also you know as a kid right as a child i think my parents got a lot of support which is really crucial as well yeah. they got yeah. a lot of tools and a lot of a lot of things that that they could work with to support me which was really really crucial as well and i think it's crucial sort of for all people who are providing care and then in terms of like keeping up to date with that you know i think that as i've sort of gotten older the focus has sort of shifted off of like diabetes care and treatment you know because the reality is like you can only do so much i i don't think people really like to hear that or talk about that but there is like a bit of a ceiling for everybody and everybody has a different ceiling of like how good it can get and you know you sort of have to balance tight control with burnout with dealing with your life dealing with the life of trying to you know acquire the right stuff and go through the doctor's appointment there's just a lot to deal with yeah. and i think that the sort of focus for me has shifted off of like clinical care and onto community and connection and trying to bolster and sort of build and participate in a diabetes community even if that's in an online space or even if that's through like creating essentially an art project for yeah. the community which is really what this film is because i feel like that is the most supportive thing i can do for my care it relieves so much of the stress and isolation that i think a lot of uh, type 1 diabetics feel and once you start to deal with those things that gives you sort of the energy you need to either just keep going which is a lot or to to begin to reevaluate your care options i don't think i could really make I don't think I could even really consider switching to a pump for example even if it was a better care option if I was so exhausted just trying to stay alive that going to a doctor's appointment was just going to push me over the edge you know what's what's the point Oh yeah Okay and then the next question is do you have access to healthy food options within a 2 mile radius yeah, you know, I'm super super lucky, right? I live this incredibly privileged life. Not only do I have access to food and I'm not food insecure, but I also have access to insulin and I've never been insulin insecure. But I think that a lot of people this and this is again sort of what the the film is about is that, you know, whether it be food or whether it be, you know, insulin in this case that I'm also like acutely aware of how quickly that could go away for me mm-hmm. and especially really how quickly that does go away for other people who don't have the same resources and opportunities that I've been provided. So while I am feel incredibly secure in both food and insulin, I know that that is like both a super privileged privilege thing that can go away very quickly and more importantly I also realize and want to kind of push the conversation forward about people who uh, might have access to those things like today but might not have it tomorrow. Okay, and last question, this is a wild card. What's your favorite low blood sugar snack? Oh, my favorite low blood sugar snack. Or I'm going to say this differently. No, no, no. It's fine. I got it. I got it. It's actually horrible because like the problem with 
I find the problem with low blood sugar snacks is like, I actually really don't want like gummy candy or sugar stuff. And so my, my low blood sugar snacks are like the worst ones you can have, but I'm constantly eating ice cream when I'm low, which is the worst thing. It's truly the worst thing you can do, but I can't help it. And okay, I love what if ice you're in cream. Your what if you're in your car? Like what's my go-to, like my grab and go-to is small, like Halloween size packages of assorted jelly beans, oh, because yeah. that way I used to have Skittles and I would eat Skittles all the time. And I've come to like loathe the taste of Skittles. <laughs> but now with jelly beans, I can sort of dump them all in my app mouth. And it's just sort of like a general sugar bomb, or I can sort of have them one by one and have different flavors every time. So they don't get old. <laughs> These are real conversations. I love the berry skittles. And I'll eat like just the pink ones at one time. And then see, it's the, the same thing. That's the same thing. It's the same thing as the jelly beans. But I, I haven't eaten skills since 2008 when I said I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Noah, for joining the podcast. And I look forward to seeing how this project unfolds. And congrats on the solid fundraising efforts. And if people want to check it out, where can they find you? So they can go to Kickstarter and search for type one. It'll show up there. We're one of the projects they love. So they'll, it'll be right at the top. You can Google type one on Kickstarter, or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at N underscore A underscore K, and you can find all the good stuff there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And please stay in contact about how this all unfolds. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Amber. All right. Bye. Well, I may or may not show up on set because I want to see Noah and his crew in action. I dig the fact that he recognizes the impact his blood sugar has on his level of grumpiness and really hope his wife and team don't see that side of him very often during shooting. Well, before I wrap up, I do have a few quick reminders. Number one, my latest project, The Diabetes Way, is live. And for people like you and those touched by diabetes, Check it out at thediabetesway.com to learn more. Number two, don't forget to visit my resources and affiliate page for killer discounts. If you would like to join this list of reputable brands, just hit us up at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com for details. Number three, I know you're listening. And hey, thanks. So be kind and throw a little change my way. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. All you have to do is click on the donate link in the show notes. And finally, I'm here for my diapeeps and the medical community. So feel free to contact me on any social media platform or directly at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love help keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Yes, I'm